The last page has been turned on my most recent read and I am going to be unpacking that one at a later date because, oh boy, so much to think about. The book I'm going to be talking about today I finished around the end of November and my copy is so beautiful that I couldn't resist it when I was running my fingers along the shelves to find my next read. With Christmas fast coming up, my recording schedule will be a little bit up in the air courtesy of family time but I am trying my hand at YouTube shorts so head over to my channel and like subscribe and whatever if you want to. This week I am back in the realm of fantasy and stepping into the middle of a war. We have enemies to lovers, beautiful settings and animosity that has spanned generations. So here I am, no spoilers, as opinion filled as ever and ready to roll. All of which means it's time for the latest episode of Being Bookish. Join me today as I visit a world living in fear of the Night Empire, a place where light and shadow magic fight for dominance, and where an orphan girl hiding a dangerous secret discovers her whole life was a lie. Yes, this week I am talking about The Hurricane Wars by debut author Thea Guanzon. I'm your host, Ray, self-confessed bookworm, introvert, hermit, long-term depression sufferer and ex-coffee addict. Join me on my journey through my ever-growing to-be-read pile and enjoy the latest of my 100% spoiler-free book reviews. This week I have become pretty good when it comes to resisting the call to buy books, though I did have a minor blip when I invested in a copy of Masters of Death by Olivia Blake for the book club I belong to, though I have been admittedly struggling with the Atlas 6 for probably a year, maybe more, I am looking forward to reading this one, the plot sounds fascinating. I have had a few deliveries, but they have all been for my mum. Yes, I am still receiving her Christmas purchases, but that has honestly been it. This week, I took part in the second meeting of a book club that a colleague started, and the book, which is one I picked from my extensive TBR, was really well received, which made me quite happy. I am going to be talking about The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue in a later episode, probably sometime early next year, but I will say that I can't believe that book was on my shelf for almost eight months before I picked it up. The heart is a battlefield. All Talison has ever known is the Hurricane Wars. Growing up an orphan in a nation under siege by the ruthless Night Emperor, Talison has found her family among the soldiers who fight for freedom, but she is hiding a deadly secret. Light magic courses through her veins, a blazing power believed to have wiped out years ago that can cut through the Night Emperor's shadows. Prince Alaric, the Emperor's only son and heir, has been forged into a weapon by his father, tasked with obliterating any threats to the Night Empire's rule with the strength of his armies and mighty shadow magic. Alaric has never been bested. That is, until he sees Talisin burning brightly on the battlefield with the magic that killed his grandfather, turned his father into a monster, and ignited the Hurricane Wars. In a clash of light and dark, their powers merge and create a force the likes of which has never been seen. Talazin and Alaric both know this war can only end with them, 
but a greater threat is coming and the strange new magic they can create together could be the only way to overcome it. Thrust into an uneasy alliance, they will confront the secrets of the at the heart of the war and find in each other a searing passion, one that could save their world or destroy it. The story starts with a wedding. No, we are not starting with the end and working our way back, thank goodness. It is the wedding of Kada and Sol. Kada, we soon discover, is Taliesin's best friend and another warrior in the war against the Night Empire and its powerful armies. Soon after the wedding, the army is called to fight as they are being invaded and Sol is quickly lost. While the armies are fighting, hints are made at a huge secret Taliesin is hiding, not only from her best friend, but from everyone, for it would put them all in danger. Her ship crashes and she is forced to fight. Realising that she is battling the tyrant Knight Emperor's son, Alaric, she lets loose her secret powers, that of an endangered and very rare light weaver, surprising her foe and giving her a chance to escape. Upon returning to camp, she witnesses the devastation that love and loss can have when her newly married friend becomes a widow. Kada goes from bliss to misery in mere hours. And it's at this point that Taliesin becomes a protector, telling Kada that she must tell their commander that she is pregnant. After the battle, Taliesin is informed that she must go and train to hone her lightweaver powers to make her more useful to the army on the battlefield. It appears that this is a theme throughout the book, using Taliesin for what she can do rather than who she is. But we'll get to that just a tad later on. She heads out to search for the Lightseaver, which can help her to fine-tune and strengthen her powers, turning them into a more effective weapon. Meanwhile, Alaric can't stop thinking of the woman he fought, though he knows he must eventually kill her, for where there is light, shadow cannot fall. Taliesin is headed for Nenevar, a place she has never been, but somewhere she feels a strange, compelling tie to. However, what she doesn't realise is that Alaric, seeking to destroy her before she can destroy everything he and his family have been working towards, total domination of the realm, by the way, is not too far behind. Of course, neither of them stop to think or realise that walking into territory that they neither are in control of or natives of, is a bad idea when everywhere is at war, and they are captured. The people of Nenevar don't take kindly to strangers, especially those with detailed maps, so understandably they are not incredibly welcoming of Taliesin, or of Alaric for that matter. Until, that is, their prince, Alagbi, shows up, and we learn that Taliesin is in actuality Princess Alicina, who went missing years before... Alagby's daughter and heiress to the throne of the Citadel. Finally, after all these years, she has been found. She is home. And you'd think that would be reason for celebration, right? Unfortunately, while they are talking with Taliesin, Alaric steals a flying ship from the prison and escapes back to his home. Not great news, as it contains the technology Nenevar uses to protect itself from invasion by people like the Night Emperor. Taliesin is, as she always seems to be, furious with Nenevar, her father, and her grandmother, Aduya, the leader of the islands, for not 
stepping in to help the other nations fight against the Night Emperor and his armies when they were invading and taking over. They chose instead to isolate themselves and stay out of the way, a strategy that many would say highlighted them as sort of Switzerland, I guess. Of course, everything isn't perfect. There are issues in the kingdom. They are under threat from something far closer to home and far more dangerous and have discovered that Alaric and Talisin, Alicina, together are the resolution. So what better way to resolve this than force them into a marriage, right? Royal mergers aren't exactly a new thing. In fact, historically at least, it's what heralded peace for centuries. We're getting even closer to the end of the year and things are understandably slowing down. As I have previously mentioned, the big releases, for books at least, are now being scheduled into 2024 and I have already pre-ordered a few things because I cannot resist when someone announces a gorgeous special edition or a much-anticipated sequel, in some cases both at the same time. I am anticipating the delivery of my December Fairy Loot combo box, but that is all I have on the list of new books for this year. However, I did get home on Friday evening and find the book fairy that is Doubleday and Orion had been to my door and left me two stunning arcs that I cannot wait to get stuck into. There are plenty of incredible books on my many shelves to enjoy and some of them have been there for so long that it's almost as though I am gifting myself a new book. The Hurricane Wars is Thea Guanzan's debut novel and as the first in a new fantasy series, it is not the slenderest of tomes at 472 pages, but there is a lot of story to tell in this one. Like a considerable number of the books that I have reviewed in this season, this book is relatively new, having been released in October. And while admittedly the edition I have is from Fairy Loot, if I hadn't known that this book was coming, I likely would have purchased it for myself anyway. In fact, I actually had a pre-order that I cancelled because I am not over keen on buying a book twice, though I have admittedly done it a few times. As much as I enjoy reading and leaving reviews, though, I don't tend to buy books based on the scores that they have on any platform. What someone else loves or loathes, I may feel very differently about. One of the few things to love about books, at least the first time you read them, is the mystery of what's going to happen. Why ruin that surprise? I guess that's why I am always careful when it comes to picking the reviews I use in these episodes, but also why I choose to never reveal anything that could be considered a spoiler when I talk about the book in general. Another reason why I don't check out reviews before I read something is that I have a real issue with resisting spoilers. If they're right there, I will read them. It's a very field of dreams situation where I'm concerned, unfortunately. When it comes to reviews in general, I think that they're a really good reflection of how different we all are. You only have to look at review sites such as Goodreads and Rotten Tomatoes or fan forums to see how many differing opinions there are on things like movies, TV shows and books. As always, I do want to give you a balanced perspective as hearing views from both ends of the spectrum is important. Sure, I may not share them or agree with them and they may have found something entirely different in the book when they read it. 
but that doesn't make their opinion or mine any less valid. This is how they felt about it. Of course, as I always say, don't let these reviews, including my own, sway you if you want to read the book, because that's what they're there for. Raquel gave the book 1.5 stars, citing her not being the right audience for this book as her reason. Originally written as a Raylo Star Wars fanfic, The Hurricane Wars is the first book in a romanticy trilogy inspired by Southeast Asian mythology. The story starts off with one of the most action-packed beginnings I've read in a while, the main characters fighting each other with magic in the middle of a battle, where both sides use flying ships. Those first chapters hyped me up for the rest of the book. Unfortunately, the plot gets nonsensically convoluted as the book progresses, with a storyline that feels forced in order to push the insta-love romance forward. On top of that, few things have made me cringe as much lately as certain steamy scenes towards the end. It was my last straw. It took me quite a while to find a one-star review that wasn't a DNF or full of spoilers. However, there was an additional element that made me cautious when it came to picking a suitable review. And this was related to the recent drama that has surrounded the book community, specifically as related to fantasy and romanticy debuts on Goodreads and certain bulk review uploads. I was relieved when I was able to find a review that didn't spoil any major plot points and was clearly genuine, if the review and the number of reviews left by this reviewer were anything to go by. There are, these are two things that I always ensure when picking out reviews, but as the Hurricane Wars was a victim of these recent actions, I needed to be even more careful. I do enjoy reading through a few book reviews of a book once I've finished it because it can be quite entertaining. I have to admit that I am currently though rather surprised at the number of ratings available for this particular book. Despite a considerable amount of publicity and fanfare since it was released on the 23rd of October 2023, the Hurricane Wars has accrued 6,852 ratings and 2,123 fully written reviews on Goodreads. The overall rating for the book is an average 3.75, which is on the lower side for a fantasy book, at least those I've read recently, that has not only had a fair bit of hype, but has also been packaged inside several subscription boxes and received a gorgeous special edition in Waterstones. Distribution of reviews for The Hurricane Wars was more tilted towards three and four star ratings, with a total of over 60% or 4,181 ratings in these two groups. The majority of these were actually four stars. Just 26% or 1,842 readers felt the book was good enough to earn a five star rating. Surprisingly, at least to me, 11% or 829 reviewers found that they didn't enjoy the book as much and awarded it only one or two stars. As with many genres, especially ones I read, it seems that the books can be incredibly polarising and this one was no different. Those who didn't like it felt that it was either due to the fact that they clearly weren't the target audience or they really felt it obvious that they were reading a Raylo fanfic-inspired publication, and that was not to their taste. 
At the other end of the scale, this is this five-star review from Addicted to Books, who read an arc of the book before release. He said... The Hurricane Wars is a fantasy that contains one of the most beautiful and best-written enemies-to-lovers romances of all time. Plus, it is also a perfect slow burn, full of tension, political intrigue, and another trope that I love, the arranged marriage. The two main characters are perfect. They are well-built, very vivid, real, and full of feelings. The double POV allows us to enter the mind of each of them and allows us to understand and appreciate them even more. Taliesin and Alaric have phenomenal chemistry. Both come from difficult childhoods and both fight in the Hurricane Wars for different reasons. And when their worlds collide, everything starts to fall into place. Another very important element of this book is the world-building. The Hurricane Wars is a Filipino-inspired fantasy, and the world created by the author is perfect. Nature, technology, and magic coexist, creating an extraordinary environment, and Thea's writing makes everything magical and extremely smooth. The plot is never boring or obvious, and all this is combined perfectly with the romance, which is one of the best I've ever read in a fantasy novel. These two little idiots will make you fall in love and wait until you read chapter 38. I can't wait to read the next book to return to the fantasy world created by Thea Guanzon and find my two beloved idiots. As I've already mentioned, when looking through the lower rated reviews, many shared the same opinions that the obvious Raylo inspiration and the fact that it was originally started as a fanfic was what put them off. As ever, what I want and expect and need from a book differs depending on the day. That's what happens when you're a mood reader, apparently. It could be that what I'm looking for is not necessarily going to be the same as the next reader. When I picked up The Hurricane Wars, I was expecting and anticipating a journey to a different world, leaping off the page chemistry between two reluctant lovers. It would be lovely if, when reading through other people's reviews, I had some kind of idea what their reading motivations were when they picked up the book, because of course that can seriously affect how the book is received and how they review it. I guess this is why I think that you have to take every single review with a pinch of salt. When it comes to recommendations, I am always happy to give you a list of suggestions. I've got plenty. There are so many books that I love and would always encourage you to read if you're looking for a new book to enjoy in that particular genre. Of course, reading is a very personal thing, but you never know when you're going to find that diamond in the rough. So if you're searching for your next read and only have a little while to find it, then start by thinking about other things that you enjoy, other forms of entertainment, what games you play, and go from there. It's not a guaranteed method, there never is one, for finding your next favourite book, but it is a good starting point. Anyway, now I've told you about other people's views, let's get down to it. Here are my thoughts on The Hurricane Wars by Thea Guanzon, completely spoiler-free and 100% honest. Did I like the book? As we reach the holidays, books tend to start taking a little bit longer for me to read, whether that's because I've got lots more to do and less time to sit down with a book, or 
because my brain is so focused on the other chores that I have and other things happening around me that I'm distracted while reading and end up going over pages multiple times. Anyway, that was not the case with this book. I picked it up a few days after finishing the final instalment in the Illuminae Files, Obsidio. I really needed a few days to discover from that series, if I'm completely honest. As I hadn't read any spoilers and was literally just going on the hype and the gorgeous covers I had seen everywhere for a few months in the run-up to release, I wasn't sure what to expect. I hadn't heard anything about the fact that it was inspired by a Raylo fanfic. In fact, I likely wouldn't have noticed the connection at all were it not for the character card included in the box with my copy. Looking at this visual interpretation of the card and the characters, even as someone who hasn't seen a Star Wars movie since 1983, there was no denying where the inspiration for Alaric had come from, like at all. As someone who wrote fan fiction for years, I first started publishing online in 1997, I have zero issues with the fact that this was apparently inspired by and originated as a Raylo fanfic. There are so many incredible fanfic authors out there and I still use it as a great wind down between books. Sometimes fan fiction can actually be better than a published novel. Millions of readers cannot be wrong. Anyway, less of that, let's talk about the characters Alaric and Talisin. Both of them are well-developed, though there are moments when I did want to slap Talisin. Sorry, yes, her lot was tough, abandoned as a baby, she was brought up as an orphan, spent all her time trying to fit in, but she made friends, made a place for herself, and then, in a single moment, witnessed everything falling apart because of another nation's greed. Of course, the fact that she's also hiding a destructive secret that she has an incredible power which would lead to her death, or could do, should the enemy discover that she has and she is a light weaver that can help to fight against their shadow magic, gives her a further thing to be both angry and frightened about. Talisin is a determined young woman, and initially she comes across as this woman with a cause. She wants to fight, she is part of the army and does everything she can to prevent her own town and people from being overrun by the Night Empire. However, my feelings for her changed a lot when she discovered the truth about who she is. So suddenly, Talisin goes from being the orphan girl with the dangerous magic to princess of a powerful kingdom with incredible responsibilities, a father who clearly loves her, and a grandmother who seems to see her as a tool to use in order to achieve her own objectives. As a princess of a powerful kingdom under threat from the Night Empire, but also problems within their own walls, Talisin is offered up to the prince, later emperor of the Night Empire. Alaric, with whom she has already got a rather complicated relationship. And this is the point where I really started to get frustrated with her. Given the things at stake, lives, livelihoods and everything else, and her own people who are currently in hiding, you'd have thought that Talison would suck it up and accept her lot. But no, she proceeds to act like a spoiled brat who has been told that she is going to have to sit in the bog of eternal stench if you know, you know. I know it's a bit ungenerous of me to say that she should just suck it up because no one likes to be told what to do, no matter the circumstances. However, she is almost the last hope of her people and the friends she has lived with her whole life. 
and she is doing everything she can to make it as hard as possible. I'm not sure if it's my age that made me just want to shake some sense into her and put up with what was happening. I mean, seriously, if she and Alaric had met in any other circumstances, she'd have likely jumped his bones at the first chance because their chemistry is off the charts. Even though she has been fighting for the people who brought her up for a considerable period, she is disappointingly a rather immature character who just can't seem to see the bigger picture. I wanted to see so much more growth in her, and the story just didn't deliver on this. Alaric, on the other hand, is all about growth. I know that some may disagree with me, but he seems to not only accept his lot, but do his utmost to make it work, despite the fact that Taliesin is doing everything to make his life hell. There were moments when I wouldn't have blamed him for just invading and taking over, not her, but her nation, as originally planned. He is clearly the more mature of the two, and while reluctant, acknowledges that there is an attraction between him and Taliesin that has been building since the first time they fought. Opposites attract and all that. I like the fact that he showed obvious signs of this development as the story progressed. He had not only accepted his lot, but did his utmost to make it work because he knew what was going to happen and it would, whether he liked it or not. So why make it even harder on himself? It's just a shame that his promised bride didn't show any signs of feeling the same way. I liked Alaric, despite the fact that he was a dark character who appeared to be happy with the path his life was taking. He did have moments of rebellion, of resentment, especially where his father was concerned, but he took a deep breath and found a way to make things work for him. And I found that to be a really good quality, which made him a far more palatable character than his female counterpart. I know it wasn't all flowers and sunshine. Okay, it really wasn't all flowers and sunshine, but cooperation would have made things so much less painful for both of them. He attempts to compromise with his unwilling promised bride and he is the one who makes all of the effort and the sacrifice but she continues throughout to just act like a spoilt child. Sorry, I speak as I find. Though Taliesin has had to live with the consequences of what happened to Alaric's grandfather at the hands of light magic wielders like herself, almost indirectly in a way, Alaric has had to live with the way that it changed his father, turning him into a monster who would happily destroy everything, including his own household. So while I can understand why Taliesin isn't happy that she's being sort of sacrificed to the Night Empire on the altar that will be her marriage bed, Alaric will never get back the father who he once had, nor the mother he lost, and he has to marry a woman who clearly just wants to stab him in the back at the first opportunity. For some reason that I can't quite identify, Taliesin's recently rediscovered grandmother, the all-powerful Aduja, gives off almost manipulative Dumbledore vibes. From the moment they meet, she is thinking about how she can use Taliesin's reappearance to her advantage. I never got the feeling that Aduja loved Taliesin, and she is only better than Alaric's father by merit of the fact that she does consider the benefit of Alaric and Taliesin's marriage as pertains to the survival of her people. But there remains a somewhat sinister undertone to her motives that makes me think that all is not fine and dandy in the throne room. 
I don't and didn't trust her one bit. And getting to know her better as the story developed did not change these feelings one iota. I enjoyed the story. The political intrigue, the behind-the-scenes machinations, the rebellion. But I do get the feeling that I would have been able to get a lot more out of it had I been a Raylo fan who had watched and loved that particular on-screen pairing and wanted to see them together. They don't end up together in the films, right? My lack of knowledge about Kylo Ren, apart from knowing he's Hans and Leia's son, and Ray something or other, literally begins and ends with a friend of mine's heartbroken tales of how apparently perfect they would have been together. That really is it. I think we did an episode of an old podcast in which she did nothing but talk about Raylo and how much she loved them as a couple. Guanzon has a way with words. There is no denying that and I will definitely pick up the sequel whenever it's released. But I don't think I will be going to bed desperate to know what happens next for the time in between. It was a fun read, but as many have said, I am not the target audience. And while I enjoyed it, I am not going to be raving about it forever. That said, I do know a few Raylo fans who will absolutely love The Hurricane Wars. What surprised me about the book... Strangely, the thing which surprised me the most was how well the story flowed. That is more a comment on my expectations of the book than anything else, though. I went into it more focused on the beauty of the cover than the actual story. I didn't even read the flyleaf blurb on my hardback. I was drawn to the imagery the cover inspired and the few pieces of information I had found on various Instagram posts, which was admittedly minimal. I was also surprised that I was so quickly pulled into the story that I managed to read it in just two short evening sessions. The story flowed incredibly well and this definitely helped when it came to finishing it as quickly as I did. Though Taliesin irritated me, Alaric was the perfect foil. And of course, I cannot talk about the book without mentioning the stunning Philippine-inspired setting. The pages were filled with so many colours and vibrancy that I occasionally found myself just closing my eyes to picture it in my mind. As I have already said, Guanzon really does have a way with words, and ignoring the frustrations I felt with Talisin, the picturesque surroundings she gave us were incredible. If you're looking for something like this, or you loved this and want something else, then you'll love these. Here I could go in two very different directions. If you're looking for some romance and Raylo-inspired novels that aren't fantasy, then we have The Love Hypothesis, Love on the Brain and Love Theoretically by Ali Hazelwood. Personally, I did prefer the final one of those three, but these are apparently Raylo-inspired using the blueprint, especially for their characters. Again, I cannot say this with any authority because I have never read any Raylo fanfic and I haven't seen the films either. So I would recommend you do your own research if that is what you're looking for. When it comes to fantasy recommendations, we have the incredibly popular, of course, Fourth Wing and Iron Flame. Check out my reviews to find out what I thought of these two 2023 releases. On TikTok, as a side note, I recently talked about a series that I recommend to people who are on a fourth wing iron flame come down, and that is the Sparks Trilogy by Kerry Law. 
and I received an unsolicited message from someone informing me Yaros is a problematic author and I therefore shouldn't support her books. Anyone else received this sort of message on any social platform? How did you handle it? I just deleted it and moved on. I would also recommend God Killer by Hannah Kainer, which has an absorbing plot, wars against the gods and a very strong female lead. The sequel to that, Sunbringer, comes out in February 2024. And Bonesmith is my final recommendation here by Nikki Palpreto. I honestly was surprised at how much I enjoyed this book, which I also received in a fairy loot box at some point over the summer. There are so many books to recommend, many I haven't read yet, I am sure. So if you have something you think I should add to this list, please do let me know because I'm always on the lookout for good fantasy novels. I can always tell when the end of the year is approaching. As with everyone, I start to mentally prepare for the traditional holiday rush and all that goes with it. And this means a natural slowdown in the number of books that I read. Between prepping foods for the day, yes, I am already making batches of Yorkshire puds and sugar biscuit dough that is going in my freezer, wrapping presents and trying to get the Being Bookish YouTube channel off the ground, things have been a tad manic. There's only so much reading a person can do given any amount of time they have in the day. But I am currently really enjoying the new A.K. Mulford, A River of Golden Bones, which is an adapted, darker, Sleeping Beauty-inspired story. And with Masters of Death waiting in the wings, I have the feeling it is going to be a good few weeks. No doubt by the time the new year rolls around, I will be back on track. And with a week off work to enjoy, I am planning on making a pile at least two foot high and starting to work my way through those before the end of January. Despite the ongoing book buying ban, I am not going to stop planning future purchases. So if you have any book recommendations you think I'd love, please email me at beingbookishpod at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram where I also post pictures of my current and planned reads and do and participate in read-alongs. Don't forget if you want to hear about new releases and other books I've read and keep up with my reviews, head over to my website beingbookish.co.uk and sign up for my newsletter which will get a fresh start in the new year when things are a little bit more stable in my home life. Well, that's it for this week and thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening this entire year. It has been a roller coaster and I can't believe this is going to be my final episode before my new year rundown. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family and please make my day and post a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any of the other podcatchers where you might listen. You can also follow me on Instagram as Being Bookish Pod, on TikTok as Being Bookish Reviews and on X as Being Underscore Bookish. And you can find newer episodes and some book themed shorts on YouTube where I am at Being Bookish Pod. Of course, you can also check out my website for the podcast full back catalogue and completely written out spoiler free book reviews at beingbookish.co.uk. Well, 
I do have a few things left to do before I can begin another week at work. It's only a four day week though. I am going to take a break for Christmas week, but will be back before the new year with my 2023 rundown. So have a wonderful time, whatever you're doing, however, and whatever you celebrate. And this is me saying farewell. Thank you.